So it's been like four days since my last recording. That's kind of typical, kind of not. Um, usually that means that I'm kind of feeling a little sickly or something because I haven't been recording or that I've been like bottling it all up or like whatever. But actually that hasn't been happening at all. I've just been like up to my elbows in laundry as well as feeling very up to my elbows or up to my like eyebrows in my headspace in family history because I'm like asked to give this speech this week in my community about like what's been my process to like you know just kind of understand I don't know appreciation for history and like appreciation for like our forefathers and the shoulders of people that we're standing on and so that's kind of been like all in my headspace heart space and then up to my elbows in laundry these days um, which is okay because like I did a little spiel there for a while of like yeah I'm gonna study out in Holland sister Eubank elder Bednar and just like all these like grandpas and grandmas in the world who are just so so well knowledgeable under like understanding of like wisdom and everything beyond me right so I love learning from these like ultimate grandma grandpa people um that I get to just like access their talks whenever it's just like search search find this topic oh they gave a talk on that great right so I love that um and then also I've been like today specifically like I couldn't even do my scripture study I just woke up praying for like as many people on my family tree as I could possibly think of, right? Like I'm just like praying for each of them by name individually and I'm just like, please bless them. Cause like, that's been my thing lately. It's like, I have so much, I under, like I don't understand deeply, but I have a vague awareness of the hurt and pain of pretty much everybody in my circle, right? Like I just, I just allow myself to feel people's pain and suffering and all this kind of stuff. Um, because I think that's a part of being a human being within the circle of people in general. Like, if I'm not going to be in a circle of people and actually take the time to feel what they feel and understand what they're going through and, like, feel the burdens with, that they experience, like, I don't know what the point is of, like, living and breathing, right? Like, it's just, like, why, why would I, like, block myself out from that space at all right like yes it's really intense when it's people really close to me in my inner circle where it's like I live and breathe the same air as them every single day like that can be pretty intense so sometimes I do have to shield up and be like actually I need a 20 minute break and we'll just reconvene when we're both in a place where we can like exist in the same air again right but other than that it's like sometimes I just get into this mode where I'm like, oh, like I just care so much about these people that I haven't been in touch with in years, months, right? Days. And it's like, I just care about them. And I'm like, how, like we haven't even been in touch in like a year, all throughout the whole pandemic. I don't think we've even touched base, right? And so it's just like, I care about these people. I'm like, please bless them. I might not be able to get in touch with them, but please bless them anyways, right? And so that's been kind of my spiel, just like giving my heart space to these people. Because I feel like for a long time there, growing up, I just kind of was running away from my heritage, running away from my identity, running away from my culture and my history and all this. And I pretty well did what one of my favorite authors explained she did growing up, right? Where she just kind of denied the truth of what 
what she was raised with and was, right? And and it got to a point where, you know, she came to her herself when she had moved away and lived in a different country, and other people were questioning her about her heritage, those kinds of things, and she couldn't answer those questions. And like, and it was such a pivotal thing she said. She's like, it was the first time I was ashamed for the right reason. Because she spent her whole life being ashamed for her culture, all of this kind of stuff. But it was like in that very moment in her life, it was the first time she was ashamed for the right reason. Ashamed for not knowing more about her culture kind of thing, right? And then when she said that, I was like, uh, yeah, like, and, and I'm just like, I get goosebumps hearing her say that because literally, she, like ever since I came to that point where I was feeling a little bit like, oh, well, I want to know more, you know, spending a little bit more time with my grandpa or a little bit more time thinking about my culture and my heritage and all those kinds of things. And it just so happened I just stumbled upon her book at the library while I was living away from my hometown for a while and, you know, kind of living in my own home for the first year or two years or whatever. And I stumbled into her book at the library and it was like ever since reading her book as well as all the other books she's written in the last 12 years, it's been like she has been this person in my life that has been the like go-to resource person of like classic chi ancient Chinese history, like mythology, um, like just like culture and what is it like being an American Chinese kind of person and you know all of these kinds of things that she's been able to share her voice and truth about in a way that that's always been my view of her. So then to go back in history and have her explain that she wasn't always that way and she had decided at a certain time in her life that she was going to move forward with the rest of her life pretty well embodying this and, and owning her heritage and owning who she wanted to be for the rest of her life basically and then help others like she she said it so right she's like hey a lot of people told me as an author to be like well you should be writing the books that you know about things that you know about you should write books about that but she was very clear that she's like no i want to write books about things i don't know anything about i want to write books about things i wish i knew about when i was little right and so she took all the time to do all the study, studying research, like going out and, you know, asking all the questions, getting all the answers, and then putting it into this beautiful children's picture book type style and novels and everything, right? So she's just always been this person for me of like that person, right? Like for people in this culture, they would say someone like, oh, well, that's like J.R.R. Tolkien, or that's like E.B. White, or that's like C.S. Lewis, right? Like, that's their people. Or like, maybe even like Harry Potter's author person, right? Like, like there's these people in our lives that like, just reach out to us when they are these authors, and I'm just so smitten that I have been exposed. And like, the person I'm talking about, her, she's Grace Lynn, of course, right? And anyways, so as I'm like going through my journey, processing like, well, what is my little speech gonna be about, right? Like I only have like 12 to 15 minutes to talk. And really, like whenever I go up and speak in front of people and do the public speaking thing, it's always been really clear to me to ask very sincerely, okay, so I ask in my prayer like, Heavenly Father, like I just say like, who is the one person in this big crowd of people that really needs to hear what I have to say on the day that I talk, right? Like, who is that person? What do, What are their likes? What are their dislikes? What are they struggling with? What What questions are they asking right now? What What is their 
edge? Like, what is their next step right now that they're kind of hesitant, not sure exactly what what their next step is, or knows what their next step is and is hesitant in, in actually taking that step, right? And how could I share something? Is there anything that I could possibly share when I go up there and talk that could help in any way to allow for this person to take their next step, right? To, to enable them, to give them that gentle hand and be like, hey, come along, come with me, like come and see kind of thing, right? So it's just like, I always wonder that to myself every time that I do this. And so that's what I've been wondering. Like I got the assignment like 10 days ago or not 10 days ago. It's it, like when I got the assignment, it was like 10 days away from my talk. And then I was, I've been pondering ever since. And you know, it's going to be like in a few days here. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, I don't know that I have the answer yet. But what I do know is what I could talk about is some of the things that I do know, you know, the things that I know from my own personal experience. And then I could also probably talk about some of the things I don't know, right? The things that I really look forward to one day. And that's why I keep trying at this and keep doing this so that one day maybe I'll be one of those people that can look back and say, hey, this was the whole story, right? Rather than just having little pieces and fragments, right? Because that's kind of how it was with the apostasy. Like I could totally do, like do this like double layer talk thing and be like, okay, let's think about the apostasy, right? Like, you know, there's Jesus Christ and he has his disciples and then they kind of share bits and pieces of what they remember from him, you know, after he passed away. And then there's this huge dark ages thing that happened because nobody, you know, like there was just lots of confusion, lots of distractions from actually sharing the true stories of Jesus and all of these things, right? Until the restoration. And then like we get to have all these truths brought back to us. And I feel like because of the restoration, like everybody's ancestors, it's like the dark ages was like a dark age for all ancestors. Everybody's lineage, not just Jesus Christ, but really when I say not just Jesus Christ, I think that's funny because we're all linked to Jesus Christ anyways. So maybe it is just Jesus Christ because we are all linked to him, right? So because he, he passed and everything, everything got scattered. And I feel like this restoration isn't just a restoration of one line of, you know, his church. It's like a restoration of all of our ancestry. Like all because he died and he continues to live and we have the restored church on the earth today. It means that all of our family trees, all of our rest, all of our lines can be revamped. Like if, if Joseph Smith could go to a rock and find plates of these American Indians that came from Jerusalem, right? Like, and, and those were like the plates that he was, that was the family history he was supposed to find. And it wasn't even his own family history, right? It was somebody else's that he was brought to bring out and then share their testimonies of their experience with Jesus Christ. If that is the level of impact this one Book of Mormon can have on my life, somebody else's ancestry, somebody else's family tree, I always wonder to myself, I'm like, I just cannot wait. You know, because I, and, and then also going and doing temple work. Throughout my whole life, between the ages of, I don't know, 15 to like 28 or something, I've always only ever done temple work for other people's names, right? Like all these random names of anybody else that needs help, right? 
And it's, it's a totally different thing when we can do it for our own, right? And it's the same thing when I was growing up. I would go to school with other people. I would go and volunteer with the community and all of this kind of thing. But it wasn't until like six years of being this hardcore volunteerism advocate as a teenager, then becoming this 18-year-old and thinking, what am I going to do with my life? Oh, I'm going to go and do my hardcore volunteerism all around the world and be this like international ambassador and learn all the languages and all this stuff. And I had a vision, right? But then I prayed about it. And what was my answer? It was stay at home and spend time with your family, get to know your mom and your dad a lot better. And I was just floored. I was like, are you kidding me? Like I have potential. Like I could just be this amazing businesswoman, right? I can just like throw it all. Like I could be a lawyer. I could be, you know, I could be anything. Right. And all he wanted me to be that year was a daughter. Right. And that means a lot to me. Right. And I didn't know that that would set up the foundation so that when I met my husband, which turned out that to be that year, if I wasn't at home with my parents, I wouldn't be meeting my husband. And then when I met my husband and we got married, we are one of our first jobs was to do family history work for the First Nation people in different um, reserves and bands and things like that. So we were writing down their histories for them and like recording them. And then every time I came back home, I'd go and see my dad, of course, because, you know, you come home and want to see the people that you grew up with. And so I go and see my dad. And every time I saw him, he would say, well, have you seen your grandparents yet? I was like, well, no, I came to see you. He's like, no stop you need to go see your grandparents you don't need to come see me you need to see them first and I was like I was always floored I was like well I came to see you okay well I'll go and see them right and anyways he always told me that and I never understood really why but anyways we would go because I'm like well whatever like if he wants me to go see them I'll go see them and then I go see them and then the, the idea always came oh well let's start talking about your history let's start talking about all these other things and then I and then he was totally fine with me recording and making sure that I kept it all like in a good recorded place. And and like if I had not taken the time to develop a good solid relationship with my parents before I had left that year that I was prompted to stay home, I would not have been as receptive when that moment came that I came home and he, he gave me instruction. He never gave me instructions growing up. He didn't discipline me. He didn't even tell me his opinion about anything. Even if I asked for it, I'd be like, well, what do you think about this? He's like, well, what do you think about that? You know, he really wanted me to own my life, right? Like own my decisions, own my beliefs, own those things and believe in myself and, and find my own confidence in those things regardless of him because I think he was kind of like grew up in environments where indoctrination was like high priorities around him so I think he was like kind of shell-shocked from that still and feeling like well I'm never gonna pass that on right so I'll just have my kids figure it out themselves and, ha and without me being the one that's like indoctrinating them or something right anyways so then he don't like he never really did that so then when I did come home as a 19 year old that was like the first time I really felt like he gave me any instruction and he's like go and see your grandparents I was like uh okay I will great I I can do that so then I did and then for those like that those months that we did that for maybe like maximum six months or something while his health was like keen and good enough to like have energy to talk with us about that we did that and it was just so sweet and, and I just feel so floored that I had any 
thing to do with this at all, right? Like, how do I get to have the honor and the privilege to have been the person that have at, that asked like, is this plan okay for the next year of my life? And then got the prompting, no, actually just be a daughter at home. That's the best place you could be serving in my kingdom that year, right? That's where you can exercise all your volunteerism energy and all of that kind of stuff, right? And I was like, okay. And then so I do that, get married, then get the opportunity to, to like start recording family history stuff for my grandpa. And then ever since then, it's just kind of been this like tiny trickle at a time experience. It's like, you know, some years are great and I'm like, oh, I find a bunch of stuff. Other years, it's like kind of this lag and like, you know, kind of not really getting any clear path kind of stuff. And it's it's been slow going, especially because I don't really speak or like read the language very well at all. So I've always had to be dependent on someone else to be the translator, to be the, you know, the link between this gap that I have. And so it's been, it, in some ways it's been good because like I'm a very social person, so I don't know what I would do if, I, if everything in my family history work was literally the language that I'm fluent in and I would and then I would just all be doing it all by myself because I was capable of doing it all by myself right so in some ways it's like a blessing that all of my family history is in a language that I'm not fluent in um, so that I can be social with other people while I'm doing family history work. It's, it's I cannot at all do my family history work by myself because of that seemingly disability for years but now that I'm in it and I'm getting results I'm get I'm finding people that are able to find the things that I'm looking for and they're willing to help me it's been such an amazing lift to my spirit and I really do feel like I'm in this like family history protection bubble like honestly like I know so many people struggle with so many trials in their life all the time Every day they get a new trial, all of this kind of stuff, and it weighs them down, right? But it's like, I don't know, I kind of feel like when Heavenly Father gives us these like wonderful commandments or what some people call enablements or attachments to Him, like it just allows us to step into the wind, like step into the rain and like embrace it so that I almost feel like, you know, when we decide to be on this path, holding onto the iron rod, and like going for that tree anyways, it's like, it's like we, we get hardships, right? But we don't get them as bad as the people that just let go of the iron rod and get to experience everything anyways without the iron rod, right? Like it makes a big difference. It just does. Like I could, could be going through all my trials that I go through anyways without Jesus Christ, without the gospel, without the iron rod, nothing, right? And, and that'd be pretty dismal. Like I've been reading this one talk about like in the strength of the Lord by Elder Bednar. And it's been amazing. This was his first talk that he ever gave when he first was called as an apostle. And, and it's so funny. Sister Eubanks said it just right when she was giving a talk one time. She's like, did you ever know that me and President Monson are twins? And she basically said she was born on the day that he was like called to apostleship or something like that. And that's kind of me. It's like I was baptized the same year that Elder Bednar and Elder Uchtdorf were called to the apostleship. And I'm like, seriously, I feel it. I feel the connection. It's just like, oh yeah, we're like, we're on the same, we're on the same page being new newbies together in this path and his in a different, mine in a different. But anyways, I love his talk. 
it's so good. And this one part he shares, like, and just confides in the people he's with. He's like, hey, I was, like, in a meeting, um, transitioning, like, Rexburg, Idaho to, like, BYU, Idaho kind of thing, right? And, you know, some people were like, aren't you terrified about this transition? Like, there's going to be so much change and all this kind of stuff. And he said something like, I would be terrified if I didn't have the gospel and I didn't, you know, lean on Jesus basically to help me do this, right? Like it would be a terrifying kind of like future. It would be like, well, what's the point? It just seems like it's impossible, right? But because he knows the truth, because he knows the gospel and because he knows how to lean on Jesus, it's like, I'm not terrified. It's going to be just the way it needs to be. And that's it, right? Like there was so much peace so much like resilience, so much automatic acceptance of whatever, like come what may and love it kind of attitude, right? And so I'm just like, yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's what it means to really step into this place of like getting the protection that we need, that we, that Heavenly Father's ready to bless us with, with like family history work. When we feel protected as a person, as a family, you know, in our refuge, in our home, as a sanctuary, like as a house dedicated to the Lord, like, you know, like the temples are dedicated to the Lord to do temple ordinances and our homes are dedicated to the Lord to like do family history work and like do the scripture study thing. And like, you know, in my house, we call it like church club or like, you know, just like having those like mute, having music that is like so drenched in in testimony and and love for Jesus Christ honoring him as as our prince like as our prince of peace our redeemer our savior like all of those things are real they just are and same with family history work it's just like it's just I I can't even say it more like and if anything like I feel super humble that I'm like even called like it's funny because I'm kind of pretending I'm giving a talk right now. But anyways, I'm saying I feel super humble that I'm even called to to be assigned to this assignment. Like I get open mic time for 12 to 15 minutes to go and talk and I get to be the one, right? Like I kind of feel like I get like the, the star lead right now in this play or something like that. And, and I get to be the one doing like the solo, right? And I'm like, oh my goodness, like how did I get there? Like I didn't even audition, right? <laughs> like I'm just so glad. I'm like, this is so cool. Um, so I feel floored. And then there's the other part of me, like when I first got the call that I was like, oh no, 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 no. But no, I can't. I can't be the one because like, I'm Chinese, right? (laughs) It's funny that I say that because like for the longest time, I didn't really believe I was Chinese. I just kind of saw everybody around me and I believed that I looked just like them. Um, And so there was like no, no connection to this Chinese thing. And then every so often people would look at me and be like, oh yeah, Chinese did it. I'm like, what do you mean? Oh yeah, you think I'm Chinese okay, sure, you think I'm Chinese, right? Like, and then, so I never really connected with, but it's funny that I kind of, that was one of my first thoughts when I got the call. I was like, but why do you want me to talk? Like, I'm Chinese, right? Like, it's like, I don't have a family history like anybody else in this audience, in this congregation. How am I going to be able to share anything that could relate with them with whatever they're dealing with, with their next step with family history work? I have no idea. But Heavenly Father knows, and I don't need to know. It's probably obvious to other people. Probably there's some underlying thing, like maybe there's some people that are sitting on the fence, not sure to do family history work, 
and maybe like something about my story will help them to be like, oh, wait a minute. She was able to do her family history work, even though she didn't know the language of like her family history, like, right? So maybe that can be some kind of like, um, oomph for their like motivation to be like, okay, I can at least try. I can at least understand the language, right? Like, and so hopefully that can be some kind of thing. I don't know. Um, because it is kind of a humbling thing when there's a language barrier. Like growing up, I somehow had decided I was going to go and learn French for like six years. Hardcore, right? Like for six hours of the day, I was going to be learning French. And, and I don't, and personally, I kind of think my ancestors pushed me in that direction. <laughs> Looking back, because it made no sense. Like I didn't really think I was that smart. I, you know, maybe my teacher kind of recommended it because she noticed that I had really good grades and I was able to do it easily so she's like well if you like it would be good for her to have another challenge like learning French for the next few years like that would be a good thing and so then I just kind of thought well maybe and then it, it became convenient because I had some friends my closest friends were also going to learn French so I was like well if I'm going to be spending time with these people anyways might as well learn French with them anyways right so I was just like whatever so I stepped into this environment Little did I know it was that I was going to own it, right? Like I was going to make this a thing for me. And as I did that, I really felt like it was super instrumental on that year because I, I became fluent in French. I got my bilingual certificate and it was totally fun. Not totally fun, actually. It didn't become fun until like maybe the third year. And, and then, you know, the third, fourth, fifth, sixth year. But the first two, three years, holy smokes, there was a lot of tears. Anyways... And then it got to the point where six, seven years later, after that day that I started French, which got me on this trajectory, then I'm at home with my parents and I, I got the prompting to be like, hey, be a daughter at home. So then I was pondering even more. I was like, well, what does that mean? Like, what do I need to do as a daughter in my home, right? Like, and, and as I pondered further, it was like, you need to have family meetings every week and you need to be the one to coordinate them, organize them and like start them and end them. And you need to be able to do it in Chinese, right? You need to do it in Cantonese, in the language your parents know. And you need to sing a song in Cantonese before, you know, you need to say a prayer before and you need to end with a prayer in Chinese, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And as I got that prompting, I was like, oh, okay. Like at first I was like, no, I can't do that. But at the same time, it was like, was like no, but honestly, I kind of need to do that. Because I noticed my, my Chinese accent was losing. Like, it was getting a little bit diluted and, like, whitewashed, you know? Like, just, like, getting to the point where I, I really didn't sound like a Chinese person anymore. And, and I was like, okay, I really do need to speak a lot more Chinese. So then I decided, okay, I'm going to do this. So then I would, like, you know, I would look at the English text and I'd look at the Chinese text. And I'd find the Chinese characters that matched with the English text. And then I'd, like, find, like, that's how I navigated a Chinese website, right? Like, I don't speak or read Chinese very well. But I would take the English website and then I'd click on the link for the Chinese website. And then I'd match up the buttons. And I'd be like, okay, this button says this. So that is the direct translation, and I just kind of navigate and press the buttons until I found, like, the church hymns, and be like, oh, got it, press play. And then I'd listen, and be like, that's the song, that's the song I'm trying to find. <laughs> and then I'd, like, save it, so that when our meeting started, then I could, like, press play on that one, and be like, oh, it's, this is the one. And then I'd, like, find it in the, the Chinese hymn book, and be like, oh, it's all here, this is the one, right? <laughs> We're good. <laughs> so, like, it's so funny that I was 
like, I don't know if I was specifically asked to do all of that, but I, I got those ideas and I knew they were good ideas. I know Sister Eubank, she, her thing is like, if you get a good idea, she's learned anyway in her life. It's like, when I get a good idea, I just have to assume that it's a green light with Heavenly Father and I go forward with it regardless. And then if it's a no, then he'll tell me. But otherwise, I'm always just assuming it's a green light, right? And that's kind of how I was at that age. It was like everything was green light. I'll just go for it. If I find out it's not, it's not. And then I'll change course then, but whatever. And so I did. And, and that was like beautiful, right? And I know, I know for a fact, if I had not studied French for six years and worked so hard at that, I wouldn't have seen that challenge of finding the Chinese buttons on the Chinese website and comparing it with the English one. And I wouldn't have seen that clear path of being like, well, that's how you do it. That's how I did the French language all the time. You just translate it. You just find the English version and the French version and you always just like, you just map it out. And that's all you do. Like it's just puzzle piecing. It's just taking the puzzle, finding the fit and putting it in. Like that's all it is. But like for another person, that's like rocket science. Like for me, when I look at electricians or like mechanics or like people doing carpentry, that's all rocket science to me. Like I look at it, I'm like, it doesn't make any sense. I know it makes sense to them and I know there's a rhyme and reason, but for me, because of my level and where I'm at, like that was me doing family meetings in Chinese after seven years of studying another, like a foreign language, right? Like that was me after becoming a fluent foreign language speaker, right? That's what I could do, right? And so that was like, wow, I'm so glad that that was possible, right? And and I just feel so floored all the time. Like I just feel like Heavenly Father is just constantly helping me in every single thing that I ever need help with all the time. And that's what I mean when I say there's this bubble. Like people talk about how we get this amazing protection when we do family history work. And that's exactly it. I'm just like, ah. And, and honestly, like, it's all available. Like, I feel like when we enter into covenants, that is family history work even, right? Like, because that enables us to have access to further inspiration and revelation through the Holy Ghost to help us to do our family history work, right? So keeping our covenants, entering covenants is family history work. Keeping our covenants is family history work. Like, having family fun experiences is family history work. Everything, like that's what I'm getting to right now, is like every possible good thing that we could ever do in this life, in our bodies. I literally feel like my bucket list, before I came to this earth to receive a body, literally just said, do good things so you can get to your family history work, right? <laughs> Basically, right? Like do anything you possibly can so that you can get to the, like do any means to the end like, that's your means. What is the means to the end, right? Like, I always ask that with, like, the cleaning or whatever. All these monotonous kind of jobs that just seem unending. That seem like they get undone all the time. What is all this for? It actually is. I know it. It's for the purpose for me to do family history work. It just is. But I don't mean just, like, locking myself in a room and, like, staring at the computer and clicking buttons, right? Family work, history work is just, like, everything. Um, and we're doing the church channel, so that's great. So, pause.